Blues here from Western North Dakota. The men and women in blue are coming at you straight off the cuff this morning. Good morning, Lieutenant Hanel. Hey, good morning, Lieutenant Klauser. How you doing? I am. I am good. It has been a couple months since we have uh, been in the studio here together. Yeah, that's it. I don't want to make the excuses again. I mean, it, it got busy over the summer. You blinked, and here it's fall. Yeah, it, it really was a uh, little bit of a stretch the last couple months getting some of our folks back in house after uh, several of them were gone for the summer. Reacclimated, staffing, scheduling, and babies. Yeah, babies. <laughs> but a lot, a lot out on baby leave. But we got a nice uh, lineup we've talked about for our uh, viewers coming up here in the next couple months. Uh, today, I think, is a, is a great warm-up from uh, maybe a slight break on our end. And uh, I look forward to giving an introduction to her here uh, just shortly. Right, yep. I'm, I'm excited because this is uh, kind of my wheelhouse. So it's one of my peeps that, yeah. that we get interviewed today. I oversee dispatch. So we're going to have a, uh, our, one of our dispatcher twos. So kind of like the second in command back there at the helm in dispatch. So yeah, we're excited to have her on. Yeah, yeah one of our, our senior angels of the airwaves. And there so I think they'll, uh, you listeners are going to really enjoy hearing a little bit of that perspective today and, and some context to how that plays into the Dickinson Police Department and the importance of, of what we're doing for you guys, trying to do for you guys anyways on a day to day. But before we get down in dirty with that conversation and uh, let's talk a little bit maybe about what's been going on in the community, Mikey, yeah, getting everybody up to speed on a few different things there. I, I think a big one that hits me uh, as we start the conversation is uh, city admin has had a uh, lockdown here uh, not too long ago where we had to send out a, a press release and there was a citywide alert um, uh, related to that. Man, the listeners want to hear a little bit more from us on that. Sure, yeah, that, that's kind of one of those uh, types of calls that, that we hear and read about uh, you know, in different areas across the nation except for ours. We, we never think something like that would happen here, but uh, this, this one got scarily close uh, to, to something bad being go, uh, ha- having gone down. So basically just amounted to um, individuals due for court, some stuff going on in, the, in, in his life or, or despondent that, that's for some reason. And uh, basically through the back channels, we learned that there was actually a threat lodged against uh, uh, him wanting to bring a gun into municipal court on uh, th- that Thursday morning. Yeah. And so we, we kind of worked it a uh, little bit from there. And um, Yeah. We got some pending pending um, um, court proceedings with that right now, but the arrest was affected, and you uh, you did a nice job on the press release. Really encourage listeners want to know some of the details surrounding that. Refer to uh, Mikey's press release on our Facebook uh, to get you up to speed or to, to see some of the fine details of that. But uh, was a scary thing for some of the city employees and um, city administrator uh, Dossinger, which that'll team me up into the next. Uh, uh, topic here. Um, they took some good action down there, um, very um, cognizant of, of safety and had a, uh, the alert sent and things uh, locked down and our hats off to our patrol division that day. They were Johnny on the spot with uh, um, locating the individual in question, traffic stop, uh, making sure everything was safe in a timely manner. Yeah, I, I would say so. And, and ultimately, yeah, they, they did procure a gun off that traffic stop. It was, uh, I believe, in a backpack or something. And yes. um, so that's obviously going to be introduced into court and, and through the court proceedings. But the, I think the biggest takeaway here is this that would not have I mean, I guess that stop wouldn't have been, uh, been been made possible without that tip from the public. So there were there was a tip that came into initially to our BCI office. BCI got a hold of us. So the importance of in this day and age, seeing something or if you see something, say something. That that's definitely what very possibly could could have prevented a you know a very serious incident from unfolding here. Yeah, and, and we of course aren't familiar with every single person in our community, but for those of you out there, you 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 have your friends, and you have you know baseline behaviors, and you have norms of behavior, and if you have friends that are acting outside that, or acquaintances that are acting outside that, and it's alarming, and you're seeing things or hearing things that are um, a little setting you back a little bit, they're probably worth us knowing. And so, yeah, just what Mikey had said, you know, you see something, say something. It's cliche and it's all over the billboards, but it is yep. true. Very, very much so. Yeah. So the, um, t- coming back around, we talked uh, City Administrator Dossinger. Uh, there's some changes coming up on the front there for our listeners. Uh, Dusty Dossinger uh, here on last Friday, it was released in the paper as well, signed a contract for City Administrator position. Uh, vacating his uh, sitting role as the chief of police for the Dickinson Police Department. So that'll be a pivot, I'm sure, for the city here coming up. And uh, we don't have much information on that other than we know that there's going to be some conversations surrounding it. And um, 
I don't know if you can think you can add anything to that, Mike. Yeah, well, just just in in uh, you know chief service here. I mean, 11, 12, almost going on twelve years here for, right. for chief of police. So he, he's uh, looking back at what he's uh, been able to accomplish for our department. You know, we're, we're obviously gonna gonna miss him, he, but we know he's uh, he's gonna excel in that in that uh, position of, of city administrator. So. Um, so not not only just being able to uh, keep us going here at the PD, but now under the whole city umbrella, um, we're fortunate to have that local talent here. Yeah, I think the, there's a punchline for all of us up here. We we, we need him to do well yep. uh, for the rest of us to do well, and so our support and encouragement in that way for you, uh, uh, former Chief Dossinger, current City Administrator Dossinger. Uh, here's our here's our shout out to you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. So I, in touching base with uh, Capsiani this morning, he gave me some tips on the last month, and arrests were up, uh, continuing to be up. He said some of our traffic was down, but arrests were up for the month. Uh, pair that with uh, some welfare checks continue to hold high for us. Mental health, uh, are you seeing anything uh, on the press end of it there? Yeah, we could talk about it all from PIO stuff, Mikey. Yeah, just just basically off those numbers, it, it you can just definitely tell it's in the air that that, that people are, are are still just trying to trudge forward. There were a lot of, a lot of mental health um, issues related calls that that we're that we're dealing. Obviously, the the uh, you know the incident up at City Hall here that we just just talked about, and just just kind of par for the course. Uh, um, yeah, just the limits that people are being stretched to nowadays, and you know, obviously, we want to encourage those people in those situations to reach out and get help before before it is too late. There, there is there is hope out there. So, it, um, and and obviously, our uh, services are not not precluded from that. So, if if you know, does need law enforcement intervention, obviously, give us a call. That's yeah, what we, we want to do. It seems like a lot of people are bringing up to us and mentioning about new faces that they're seeing in town, and and a lot of these folks that we're dealing with on the welfare checks. It seems like yeah, there may be individuals we 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 uh, we haven't encountered in the past, and you know, coming into their own crisis of of, of unique nature, whatever's going on in their life, and <clears throat> that just goes on to continue to beat the drum with. You know, sometimes people assume when, when they go by these individuals or when they're seeing certain things, you know, law enforcement maybe has already been contacted mm-hmm. or, you know, we're already in the loop or we're, we're on top of that. And you know, maybe that's because of some of the good work that we do do up here that people mm-hmm. recognize us for. But uh, that, again, is a testament. Hey, if you're seeing suspicious behavior or you're concerned for somebody's well-being, don't hesitate to call the non-emergency number uh, in the book there, 701-456-7762. And get a patrol officer over there to uh, to to get some eyes on it, and just you know get a matter of record, I guess, if yep. nothing else. And then uh, you know nationally, is it, the, the new number rolled out, so that's two one one was was the statewide mental health still in use, it's still in use. Yep, two yep. one still in use. So obviously encourage uh, you know folks to use that if if they're in crisis or if they need some advice uh, how to deal with a family member that's in crisis. That uh, we obviously highly encourage uh, to reach out to those resources. Two one one state, and is it nine eight eight? For the national uh, hotline, so two one one state. Either one will work. Um, you know, whatever one you can remember out of that, and uh, but definitely uh, uh, worthwhile for sharing to those that uh, may be in a time of crisis and time of need. Uh, some other, I think, noteworthy uh, maybe arrests since the last time we were together. We we had a big arrest here locally. Had a string of burglaries. Um, a an individual by the name oh. of Jason Schultz uh, just recently uh, was instructed by investigators pled uh, to three different burglaries uh, that we had had in the community. Uh, worth worth on that again. Uh, oftentimes these things are posted on our Facebook page, so follow follow the pace, uh, Facebook page here uh, that Mikey does a great job with for the Dickinson Police Department. Listeners, if you don't right now, uh, another one is a uh, currently been charged out and in uh, pending uh, criminal proceedings, and that is going to be on a Robin Glear. And there was an embezzlement allegations of uh, upward uh, nine hundred thousand plus embezzled from uh, a loaf and jug uh, store. So uh, we have that one. And a patrol came across one interesting about a month ago uh, during nights. An individual by the name of uh, Toby White from Minnesota uh, was coming through the area here. And we had some stolen uh, vehicles involved in a van. Try to make the long story short, good police work by the officers uh, on their response. Came across uh, Mr. White, and he was in possession of a stolen van and a trailer out of the Minnesota area. Uh, Some other smaller things in there. But uh, just some some specific highlights for the for, for you guys out there wondering what's going on. You know what do you guys what do you guys have happening? We're not hearing anything. Well, there you go. We got a few things there that yeah. we can we can say out loud. And maybe the highlight here. This is uh, this is a good one. Yeah. This, 
So we, we have a case that we are sitting on. We're very close to, we're going to talk about this probably in the next podcast, but we have a 2016 case felony, a violent crime that is now come full circle. And we have some new developments through DNA and technology that are, uh, we are just on the cusp of getting a judge's uh, signature on a warrant. And so I'm going to leave you with that. Um, and we're going to hopefully talk about A little that. teaser there. Yeah, yeah, a little teaser. But uh, the, the next recording, hopefully we'll get you guys involved on that. You're going to love to hear that one. Some of you guys are going to remember it probably because uh, it was uh, publicized. And uh, that was back in the day, actually, when Sergeant Handel was his crew working that night. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and remember so, vividly. Yeah. We had some hounds, some uh, bloodhounds, tracking hounds that were called into town yep. on this night for this case. And uh, there was a lot of time and effort put into it. And so it's uh, we'll tell you more about it here in the next recording but it's uh, it's it's a pretty cool thing yeah all that forensic stuff you know you usually you, you watch tv and stuff and i think a lot of a lot of people have the misnomer that that's a, you know we're doing that all the time and very seldom uh, i shouldn't say very seldom but but it it, it, it doesn't happen that often to where i mean it the falls stars into, align it's the stars align you get the profiles to match up just perfect so just just like an episode off of tv this uh, this this is gonna be a good one to debrief here when we when we get to that yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. And so, all right, um, anything else you can think of maybe that's... Yeah, I'm trying to think what... Uh, we got uh, teed up for the fall here. Um, we just got done with fall festival here over the yep. weekend. There was a couple thousand in attendance right there. We had a shout out from the organization uh, that puts that on, thanking the PD for that. And the first responders, fire department, sheriff's department that was there. Uh, a couple thousand people though, so... Yeah, yeah, it was a good turnout. That's pretty good. And... Yeah, other fall things maybe that are coming up, um, I would just say stay posted with our uh, social media accounts. Um, you guys uh, share those, and Mike's got a, a highlight. Um, I'm going to give him a prop, I think, on this one that here in the last, uh, we just surpassed, it was about 14,000 followers. Just hit the 14,000 mark, just yep. Right at yep. the 14,000 followers, and, and this podcast has been a big part of, uh, of pushing that uh, number up higher, and we're very excited about that. And that's largely a hats off to Lieutenant Handel and his creativity. And it's actually our, our viewers out there, that's a, yeah. those guys are liking us and following us and giving us tips of what you want to see and what you want to hear. So yeah, well, and you know, most of that is you guys are liking what you're seeing. So there's some probably that don't like what they're seeing and, and they're, they're following. <laughs> I get that. Haters gonna hate. Yeah, we understand that, but um, so so it goes. But well, I think with without further ado. Uh, maybe we'll kick it over That's, to our guest here. I, I got something I'd like to set the tone, though, with this out loud here, okay, for our listeners. So it's a little something. I'm going to try to keep my mic up here a little bit closer and such. And so we'll get her brain thinking a little bit here, okay? It's, uh, Dear Lord, help keep me safe, those who depend on me. Give me healthy ears, for they are my link with those who need me. Keep my mind sharp and alert and my fingers quick and nimble. Grant me the ability to do ten things at once and do them all equally well. Bless me with patience, Lord. Give me the nerves of steel and do not give way to panic. Help me to remember that I make a difference, however small it may seem, some days, and that I matter. I am a dispatcher. Lord, grant me peace. Tennille Wire, what do you think about those words? Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Some... uh, I think just uh, I thought I would bring that in for for those that are hearing this to set the stage for what we're uh, what we're talking about today, and so the uh, dispatcher's prayer. Yeah, I love that. Um, it just really puts into very simple terms um, feelings that we go through every single day when we sit in that chair and try to help the community. Yeah, uh, and, and the voice that you guys are hearing, you know, if you close your eyes and you think about, you know, instances maybe where you have called the police department here in the past, Tennille is very likely somebody that you have spoke to. Um, she is, uh, in a non-offensive way, an old dog here. <laughs> yeah, that's right? all right. That's all right. <laughs> an old dog here. And, and to- total time with the police department? Uh, yeah. I think we're right at 15 years. 15. Now, you had a short pivot, mm-hmm. motherhood and some different things, took you a different direction. Yeah, I thought I needed, you know, the normal eight to five, let's be, you know, calm. And I missed dispatching every single day that I was gone. You can take the dog out of the fight, but you can't take yeah, the fight no. out of the dog. <laughs> I did. I just wanted, um, I missed making a difference. I missed um, knowing that every day that I came to work, um, whether it be small or big, that um, what I was doing was important. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, you are uh, Dickinson born and raised. If I get some of this wrong, help me out. I want to. Uh, so, yeah, I was actually born in Billings. Um, my parents are originally from this area. Uh, we moved away for a short few years throughout like elementary and middle school. I came back in high school and I've been back ever since. Okay. So yeah. midget grad? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Midget graduate. And so this whole thing. You know, thinking about you know dispatchers and our nine one one. When did uh, when did it cross your radar? Like when when did this whole field and this whole thing, you know, spark and start that little blurb on Tennille's radar? I mean, honestly, it was um, it was just a going through life, uh, figuring out what I was going to do. Um, I tried a couple of different jobs, and um, when this one came open, I was like, oh, you know, I think that would be great. I think that would be really fun. And I was always, you know, I think growing up, we always watched uh, 911 shows or, you know, unsolved mysteries. You get that (laughs) whole, hey, I'm really into this law and order. Um, Let's give it a shot. And I, it was the perfect timing and where I was at in my life, I just needed to um, try something different and I gave it a shot. Yeah. And it was the right shot. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It changed my life. Sure. What, um, can you talk us through that tale a little bit from the beginning? I mean, what did you expect when you, when you came into the door here thinking, you know, cause there's been some people that have applied for our communication specialist job that sometimes I think that like they, they have not read the job description. <laughs> they think they're going sure. to so, be a telemarketer or something. Yeah. Yeah. You just think uh, answering phones, maybe, yeah. um, you know, just doing what you're doing, but you don't, and they talk about multitasking. They talk about like, you're going to be doing more than one thing at a time. Um, and like you get through that first interview and then when they call you back in for the second, they give you the opportunity to come into the center and you walk in and most times there's phones ringing and radios happening and people in and out and you're like, it's just like a deer in the headlights or what did I get myself into? How am I going to juggle all of this? Because it's not like your normal multitasking where you're just handling, you know, it's just this chaotic, beautiful event that happens where things just fall into place. It, <laughs> You know, you like it's a controlled chaos. Controlled where, chaos. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, the, going up to it, I uh, having the interview, I was excited. I presented myself. Obviously, they called me back, um, and then they brought me in the center. And I did. I just sat there, and I'm just like, oh my, oh my goodness, I'm not for sure if, like, this is so much more than I ever anticipated. And back then, it was you know the handheld phones that people were holding with their shoulders (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you're typing and you've got these papers in front of you you're writing they're punching cards like there's so many things that were happening that we now don't have to do because of technology but it's just so many things so it was very intimidating and um, going through the training process was really intense but um, I'm glad I stuck it out and made it. We've uh, shared uh, with some of our other guests kind of maybe like a typical typical day, you know, on a typical shift. So to get you kind of frame thinking about that. So like, you know, as a dispatcher thinking about today, can you paint out to a, a listener for us? Like what, what does that look like? Just, just on an average day, what could it look like? Uh, there's so many unknowns in there, but you know, thinking about you come in at seven o'clock and yeah. you hit the ground and then between that seven and that 7 PM, um, like what, what is a, what could a day look like for a dispatcher? I mean, honestly, it just, it differs. I mean, this weekend we had a extremely busy weekend um, where you're looking at a hundred, 115 calls for service. And that's not even including all of the phone calls that are coming in that don't result in an actual call for service that you're entering in. Like at the end of the day, we were, we were spent. We had um, been on the phone all day long. It was nonstop. Um, you know, you're, you're, Hey, give me one minute so I can step away for a second, but it's, it's just go, go, go every single day. And then on Sunday you have that day where it's just not quite as many. You have like 60 calls for service where you do have that break time in between and you're trying to get caught up with your trainings and everything else that's on your plate. But it just depends on the day. In terms of, so you mentioned call for service. What what does that all entail? What's what's a call for service? A for call for service would be any um, any call that comes in that we're going to be dispatching out or personally handle within dispatch to officers, sheriff's department, fire department, ambulances. Every incident that happens gets what's called a call for service, and it's a specific number, and we restart them every year, and it goes just from you know one to however many we have for the year. 
and typical Friday night, let's say, typical Friday night, how many CFSs do you think is generated between all those I agencies? mean, this was just day shift, and we yeah. were, you know, 120. So um, their night, they said, wasn't quite as busy, but, I mean, you can get anywhere from 50 to 100. It just depends. It, it Some nights can be pretty crazy, and you've got calls stacked. You're letting everybody know. Other people are coming in to help. It's just... Um, and other nights you can sit there and just be doing nothing and have 10 calls for service. It, it really, there's no um, rhyme or reason to it. I think if you go back and you look at all the behind the scenes, you can try to, but we've even talked about you can't predict um, how to even staff or, you know, hey, every Friday night we've got really busy stuff happening because it's not the case. So Full moons. Yeah. That, that, that's how we predict. That's, Absolutely. That's pre- full moons. Yeah. Yes, yes, so moved. That is. Yeah, it is so true. People, they, they talk about it, you joke about it, but it's true. We witness it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want proof, you just come up here to the Dickinson Police Department, you sit in dispatch, follow our officers, the full moon cycle is a real thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gravitational pulls and whatever else. Uh, Mike, maybe for how many, do you remember on our annual report last year, what were we sitting on for um, calls for service for the year? Uh, you know that number offhand? I want to say 27 North of twenty seven thousand, I'm guessing, okay. but that's obviously us, yeah. sheriff's department. That's 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 the entire that's a pot. Running tally, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a it's a not, it, it, when you really look at the number when you see it down there, like it's a good number for people to hear. Like, holy cow, it's uh, it's a significant. And how many people are usually helping you in the in the center? How many? Uh, how many? Minimum of two. Um, hopefully, um, we'll get um, full staffed soon and um, get some people in the chairs. But minimum two. There, you're never by yourself. You always have somebody there in with you. Um, we like to have three both day and night. And um, sometimes on day shift when we have full staff, we're at four in di- in the dispatch center, and that enables us to have um, time to do that. Um, administrative kind of stuff, uh, working through things, getting trainings done, uh, starting, like we talked about, uh, QA, uh, quality assurance, okay. getting those people that can come off of the floor. You know, in a perfect world, we're able to have that on day shift. So we can have four and three. And so when we're full staff, how many dispatchers do we have at full staff right now? I think we have 15 yep. openings, um, and we currently, what, are 12 are filled? Oh, uh, uh, Hiring for two right now. I think two. one's one's in background, and and then so we just got one more. Almost there. Yeah, Almost getting there. there. Yeah. And uh, who does our center serve? I think some people just think Dickinson alone, but no, we um, we serve a Stark County, um, the entirety of it, all fire, EMS, law enforcement, um, rescue squads, everything in Stark County we're servicing. Um, so I, I would think it's two law enforcement agencies, Stark County Sheriff's Department, Dickinson Police Department, and then you have your city fire, rural fire, and then you start getting out into Gladstone Fire, Taylor Fire, Richardson Fire, um, what, South Heart, and then Belfield Fire, and then Belfield has their ambulance squad, Richardson has an ambulance squad, um, and then there's some little areas, you know, on the outskirts of the county that we're co-oping with state radio when it comes to different services, but all within Stark County. I think that's, uh, I asked that question in tee up because it is, we are the mothership of uh, emergency communication up here. And so the importance of what um, these people are doing in the seats in there and how that impacts us here for the greater good of the community. I hope you guys, you know, listeners, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a great job. It's a great job and uh, we need more good people wanting to do it. And uh, that's uh, part of today with the highlight with you. Yes, absolutely. Get people interested. Yeah. Uh, let them see kind of behind the scenes so they know um, what the job's about a little bit and how much it can mean to you. Yeah, for sure. What do you think some of the good qualities are that if somebody is out there listening, uh, if they can look in- inwards uh, towards themselves to see if they got this stuff, what's what's the stuff you need to be a, a good dispatcher? I mean, honestly, I think active listening is one of the best qualities of a dispatcher, to be able to just kind of listen to what's going on, um, interpret from tone and what's happening and putting that into um, – your your work uh, empathy being able to empathize and sympathize with the people that are calling in and making making sure they feel valid and knowing that you're caring and willing to take care of them um, in their time of need no matter how big or small um, obviously multitasking I say it but I, I kind of um, 
everyone thinks they can multitask. It's just a different time. Um, I, somebody told me one time that it's actually not multitasking that we do. It's switch tasking, that you're um, doing these different things at a simultaneous right. time rather than just. Uh, so it's, it's very different um, because even when you're on the phone, you're listening to the radio, um, you're talking on the radio, you've got people coming in, you're shuffling things. So um, and you obviously have eight screens in front of you. So you're watching all those different things, trying to get locations. It can definitely get it's um, in uh, multitasking on um, steroids. <laughs> um, but listening is very important to be able to listen, uh, to understand rather than listen to respond. Um, you, sometimes you get more from the caller just by saying hello and um, being quiet for a minute and letting them just say what they need to say and documenting it. Um, and then once they stop, you can get through the questions that you still need to qu- to get through. Yeah, it is uh it is a beautiful art when it's going well. And, you know, I had a, a long time in my career, Mike, where in investigations getting called out, Tennille calling me out at night saying, hey, whatever, we got burglaries, we got a stabbing, we got a shooting coming out. And I always probably had one of the better CT investigators in general with hearing some of this stuff right out of the gates. Because the first thing when Tennille would call me and she'd say, hey, we, uh, we need you out here, you got to come out. Like, okay, Tennille play the 911 back for me. I want to hear how this thing goes from the beginning and what she just said there when uh, when it's when it's when Tennille's in her wheelhouse when a dispatcher is on point and doing a good job it is pivotal in the success of uh, the, the follow-up portions of the investigation and you know coming to a good conclusion the questions that are asked or just the silence that's used what you just talked about right yeah. there the ability for you guys to see what is here what's being said or Maybe what they're trying to say and they can't yeah. say it, the undertone okay. and the backdrop. Um, I don't think some of that stuff for, you know, sometimes is highlighted enough. Like I, I try to share it with you guys out loud because I've seen it. Yeah. You, you comments, questions, and when, you, when you're on game or on point, it is, it is just so crucial to having a positive outcome from the investigation side. And, uh, but that's my bias on that end. But yeah. there's, you know. I mean, and sometimes it's just an intuition thing. Like you talk to the officer and you're like, I, I, know, I know this sounds crazy, but something does not sound right. Like you get a 911 hang up, you call them back and they're like, oh, everything's fine. But there's just a tone. There's something you hear in the background. There's something that um, you're just picking up on and you have to trust. And there's that level um, between us and our officers where you can say, hey, like I just I really need you to follow up on this. I need you to uh, take this seriously and really um, something's not right here. And I mean, sometimes it may be nothing, but um, every now and then you get that call where you're like, I made the right call. This person was in distress and they weren't able to communicate with us. And um, we sent somebody and they got the help that they needed. Yeah. And one well, of the impacts of that all on just on that initial response, maybe Mike, the the impact, the priming that you guys have on those officers when you're mm-hmm. regurgitating that information and you're hearing it in and then how is it coming out, right? And the, yeah. making sure you guys are keeping both feet on the ground, not panic stricken because if there's our officers know and they can tell if yeah. got the old crap voice. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's um it's so you don't even know that you're doing it. But I think that, you know, the officers that you work with, you get so they are so familiar with your voice and what you sound like in a normal everyday circumstances that they even notice when, oh my gosh, she is serious. Like this is, you know, something that it, it kind of gives you that jolt is how I it's been described to me where they knew that I was panicking and I was trying very hard not to and I just needed them to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the, uh, so talk a little, I mean, how did the career progress for you, Tennille, as it's went along a little bit, starting out and moving up until current day? How's it, how's it been for you? I mean, honestly, it's, um, you know, starting out, I don't think that anyone, um, one of my previous uh, supervisors told me that there are some people that it just gets into your blood and you know that, and you're hooked instantly. And that's kind of how it felt for me. As soon as I sat in the chair and I started doing the job, um, I just knew that it was something that um, really, really uh, I held dear in my heart. Um, I started out, it was very um, fun. Obviously, you're getting to know all these officers. You're seeing a world that you've never, you know, you see. And sometimes you're almost afraid of police officers. You're like, oh, I don't want to deal with them. You only have, you know, experiences that that frighten you. But um, when you get in there and you start to get to know them and you become uh, such a a deep family. And um, that, that is something that has been, uh, pivotal in even me wanting to come back here was missing that um, that link with everybody and 
you know, you watch everybody, like, like you were saying earlier, have babies, get married, have families. I mean, you just become part of this team that and ultimately ends up being your family and you love every single person that you work with. And, and it makes it more important for you to do your job well to um, make sure that they get to go home safe and um, it, it, it becomes important to you. But I started, I mean, I think I got hired in July of 2004. Um, How and, many dispatchers at that time do we have? Do you remember? Oh gosh, was it like six or seven? I think. Um, and there was it was very um, intimidating because when I came out of training, there was the the hours of three a.m. to seven a.m. You were by yourself in the center, and um, that was just one of the most terrifying things in the world. Like you, I remember being so scared. And obviously, we don't do that now. But it honestly uh, it helped you become. Um, to trust your instincts, to trust that you knew what you were doing. Um, I think even though we don't do it now, I do believe that there was some benefit of it because you just learned to uh, rely on your skills and knowledge and trust yourself. What was a, a specific fear of that? Like what, what scared you most at three to seven? What was like, just like, I hope I pray to God that this does not happen. Or- <laughs> I mean, anything you, you didn't want anything big to happen because, um, normally, you know, you would have, cause your, your backup, if you have to do anything is like, Hey officers, but if we get busy and things are happening, um, nobody's in the office with you. You are in there by yourself and you're answering phones and you're juggling this and you're putting people on hold and things are still ringing and it's just so even the littlest thing even one car accident could um, just cause chaos in there because you have so many different things and back then it was pushing buttons and it, it, there was definitely different things that made it a little more difficult to dispatch and you know if you're in there by yourself we had paper logs the police department log was you know this big huge notebook um, that we had in front of us and we'd write the names of the officers and be jotting down the time and what they said we also had a a long clipboard that was the sheriff's department radio log so you've got these two pads in front of you and you're juggling between them trying to do everything and it was just intimidating it was very frightening (laughs) and then and then logging on scene how did you guys do that like the times oh so we had um it was um it's so funny because now you hear people say um that have been here for many years start me a card punch me a card um we would when we got the call for service we had these little blue uh calls for service and we would punch them in like an old time punch like the katunk (laughs) (laughs) and we would punch it when we got it we would punch it when they were en route we'd punch it when they were on scene and then we would punch it when they were done we'd put all the information on there and we had a little file of facts that was sitting on on a a shelf and then the shift commander at the end of the night would come rifle through and make sure and see what needed reports and what didn't and and (laughs) it was a very different time (laughs) it seems like forever and a day ago but but i mean yeah i I remember that so vividly like having to come oh yeah that stack of blue cards you had to shuffle through absolutely everyone had paper logs you know even the ambulance um we had certain little notepads that they delivered to us every month and we would write everything out and put them in a file and deliver it to them god we just sound like old people i know (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's definitely aging us you try to uh, you share some of these things with our, our new dispatchers coming on to give them some perspective? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I um, you almost want to say, like, just be thankful because we do have so much technology and so many cool things now that just make it um, much easier to accomplish the tasks that we need to do. Can you tell some of our listeners maybe what are some of those cool things now? Mike, this is, again, both you guys, your wheelhouse. What are some of these cool things that technology is providing us currently for our community, you know, service-wise and I mean, I think one of the coolest things that we've got going on right now is Rapid SOS, um, where the technology within that is growing and growing. And it seems that every quarter, every month, that there's something new that's coming out within this program that's making the enhanced 911 even better, um, faster. Um, I mean, Mike was in dispatch the other day, and like we're getting a notification on um, Rapid SOS two seconds before we get that uh, actual ringing of the 911 line. So, I mean, they're picking things up even before our systems, our and our are, and the locations on them are instantaneous. Like you've got um, a very good, solid um, location. And what's cool about Rapid SOS is even after you disconnect, it kind of shows, it follows you for a little bit so we can see where you're at or if you're moving. Um, 
Is, it, that, a, it, is that a computer program, Mike? Can you highlight it all? Yeah, so it, it's like a web-based uh, company that's out there that's um, free for all PSAPs, our, our communication centers. It's it's funded by donations and whatnot. Um, so a lot of agencies have been signing up for this service, and it's just an extra browser window that we have up that, that kind of augments our, um, you, you were talking about Enhanced 911. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll probably have you unpack that in a second here and exactly what that is. But uh, yeah, and then, then Tanil was mentioning um, all these other services that are, that, that are uh, coming online with rapid SOS that's partnering with them. So an example would be like uh, OnStar. So, you know, if you have an OnStar subscription, you get in a car crash, right? It uh, sends the notification to the OnStar people. What rapid SOS does is it basically kind of eliminates the middleman. So instead of OnStar, uh, uh, agents having to, having to call mm-hmm. us, we get that notification the second yeah, the like an accident has been yeah. detected. Have you seen that yet? Actually, I'm kind of um, not on Rapid. I have not seen it yet. Um, so, hope I mean that's going to be amazing. You know, things to come. Yep. And then uh, you mentioned uh, like location data. How? Oh, they also have like um, some of the smartphones where you can enter in your medical information, mm-hmm. um, like if you're diabetic or you know have seizures, any any your emergency contacts. Um, if that stuff is entered into your phone and that is the phone that is used to call on Rapid SOS, that displays on our screen for us, so we know um, if so you. So is get that like the medical ID here on my phone? Is yep, that what we're talking absolutely, about? Absolutely, for like sure. In there, you got yeah. If you fill out that information, that information will display on the screen for us uh, to view when you call 911. That's amazing. That'd be a good uh, yeah, PSA, I suppose, for, for any uh, uh, family members that have elderly uh, uh, family members. Get their phones and, and put their yeah. medical information in there. That way, yes. it had pops yeah, up. Yeah, somebody. I mean, there. sometimes you have the elderly that fall or you know mm-hmm. um, are unconscious. They're not able to tell us what is happening. But if you have that in their phone and we can see that they have you know a pacemaker or are diabetic, um, that's something that we can give our responders that that you know um, can be life saving. Yep. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, no, I know as a. Back to the career a little bit yeah, here. Yeah. So we've built uh, a long time. We've, our numbers have overall went up. We built some positions in. And now you currently sit in a senior dispatch role, right? Yes. And so the, we brought those on board here several years ago now. Yeah, I think it's been so a couple years since. Goes. And so how does the how does the how has the makeup um, change within dispatch on that from just everybody's a dispatcher, one supervisor? Now we have some senior dispatchers mm-hmm. in there. How does that play into the I equation? I think um, what's nice is within your career, normally, like when we started before, there was dispatchers and then there was our supervisor. Um, there was no, uh, you wanted to have goals, you wanted to be better, but um, what steps could I take to make that happen? And now we're building that structure within our division to where um, you have goals to attain. You can, you know, hopefully we get that um, senior dispatcher and then we have a dispatcher too and then the supervisor position um if you want to advance your career you have that those steps that you can take now to encourage yourself to do that because we do have these opportunities now yeah, yeah and pardon me for misspeaking on the title of it see so yeah, dispatcher two yeah, yeah dispatcher, dispatcher two, two and, uh, but she's one of our senior ones again so i just she's been here so long that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i mean that in a good way yeah it's like, it's i was like stupid. watch how you're wording that <laughs> there, there's a few of us who can speak in a language and maybe some of the, the or other folks they don't understand just yet so yeah, it's kind of special that way but it is it you know i think that when i started um obviously it meant the world to me um and you know you dare to dream that someday you could uh run a center or uh, be in charge of something or be molding the new dispatchers that are coming through. And that's something that's important to me um, when it comes to the dispatcher two position is you get to, to train um, and we're working on and developing. It's ever developing. It's always evolving in our training program, trying to make it better, trying to um, streamline things and um, just to be able to instill the passion that I feel and the importance that this job means to me into these new people so that they know that they make a difference. Actually, maybe jump into that a little bit more. What what does our training program look like? How long is it? So, so if somebody does want to become a dispatcher, what, what, what does that path look like for us? Yeah, so right now we've kind of structured it a little bit. You've got 12 weeks of um, in-person with your trainer training when they're on the floor with you. Um, the first week or two of that, um, you have your... Uh, your dispatcher, basic dispatcher course that we're doing right now through APCO. Um, 
that will take like a week. It's normally online based. And then you get on the floor and you start out. Um, there's different parts where you can start out with radio and phones and learning those things. But 12 weeks with your trainer. Um, and then we've just started a new where you transition into your trainer leaves you and you become a third person dispatcher to where you're always a third person. So you're never in there alone. You're not, um, you're sometimes you have two in there when somebody takes their breaks, but you get those six weeks of third person dispatching before you actually go into a full dispatcher role so and then uh, there's, there's one other the emd portion of it do you want to touch on emd what that's yeah well i mean it's changing right now we have our emergency medical which is something that not all centers do but we actually can give some medical uh, direction to callers when they call 911 prior to ems law enforcement or fire arrival um, just to get things um, moving along in that medical process you know um, nothing too in depth um, it's not like we're there on the scene with them but just to help out until uh, the professionals can get there and we have that course it's changing a little bit now we used to have a program with within our state where we went to training for two three days to be to get certified um, because you're not able to take or give medical advice over um, any call until you have that certification um, but we're changing to our telecom system which is coming up and that will be an entirely different training I think that's a week-long virtual online course that we'll get certified in to be able to um, operate that system Maybe actually a good segue too, because I do have in telecom as a as a bullet point here. <laughs> See, I was just going to say, just, yeah, <laughs> smooth it's, flow. Right. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about? Um, telecom you know, is? I um I actually was able. Um, we'll talk about California, I'm sure oh, as yeah, well. But when definitely. I went to Anaheim and I was able to see a live demo of Intelecom, um, it, it, unfortunately, it wasn't a live demo that incorporated with our CAD program. So it, obviously, it's going to be a little different when we actually get into doing it. But it's basically a guide card um, on your computer where you have a basis of questions that you can ask, question answers, and it directs the the call taker to where this call is going to go and at what point you would dispatch. I mean, I think it's streamlining everything. It's going to be very easy to um, for quality assurance because we're going to have those direct questions. Are they asking them? Are they answering them? Um, but it also looks like it's pretty smooth and you can skip through things if you're not getting that answer or they don't know that answer. Um, it's just a, a what an online guide card system, yep. which is now we have kind of a flip book with some question answers, but this seems to be more technology based and getting those uh, questions more streamlined. And that ranges from CPR instructions. So is the patient breathing? Yes or no? They click yes. Yes. Then, then just goes through and there. Breathing and then, conscious. You yep. know, you're going through. I mean, you get anything from um, headaches to childbirth. You know. I know that some people uh, just chiming in from again. This is your guys' wheelhouse. You know, they always get really critical on you know technology and the way things used to be and stuff. But I, you know, when I hear this stuff from you know Mike and Tanilia highlighting in there, I mean, it really the, the essence of this is trying to free up bandwidth so that we're maximizing good decision making behind the council, right? For those that we need, we're we're trying to respond to and serve. Yeah. So we're trying to remove as much of the human error, human factor end Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. And such. So, I mean, there's, like you said, the tech, it's just, there's uh, a lot of good things here. Cause again, you get some that are like, ah, you know, I do all this stuff for the money, why we're spending money on this. It's yeah. like, well, if the money can minimize uh, one decision that can save one life, then it's probably all worth it. Uh, Absolutely. Too cliche, but. It, and how has that, so when you first started the paper stuff to maybe make, uh, make a mention of what CAD is and stuff like that, how has that improved your ability to, to, to switch task? Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of our um, CAD program. It handles everything so well, and it's a command um, you type in scene and it scenes the officers. So it's very one word command line driven. Um, it makes everything that you're doing, everything that the officers are saying specifically has something that we would do in correlation to that. So rather than um, them calling in, me grabbing the log, writing the time, writing what they're saying, writing on the card, taking a phone call and you're writing in your little notebook of what the caller all said and then inputting that into the computer and adding all this stuff in. So there was like 20 steps to taking one phone call and taking that radio traffic to whereas now um, everything is right at my fingertips. I can take that phone call and be entering a call and I can switch over to another command line and take that officer's traffic and everything just flows. It, it, and it makes it so much easier to be really good at your job. If you know you're using the 
the equipment and the technology that we have in, in the best way that you can. It's, it's flawless. It's so good. <laughs> you don't miss the punch? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I mean, just maybe the sound. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am a huge fan of the, the systems that we've uh, changed to, and I love how fast it makes everything. Um, you're even getting those things back to the officers in a, a more quick manner, um, which ultimately can mean you know officer safety. Do you have several um, heartfelt, you know, ones that are near and dear to your heart over your time, Tennille, uh, stories and as a call taker that you just, uh, some of these things, you know, we, we always talk about wellness, mental health, not living with things and we got to move on. But mm-hmm. we all know that there are these ones that we live with that are always there etched in us uh, over the course of uh, your career. Do you, do you have some that you can share? Um, I mean, honestly, I think... One of the hardest calls I've ever took, and it stayed with me forever. And I think that also is part of the reason why I am um, so excited about the new technology and how fast things can come to us. Um, I had an incident where it was a hunting accident where a child um, passed, and it happened to be a family friend. It happened to be someone that my child had grown up with. And it just, it was so close to home, and it was so. Uh, difficult. Things were failing. They didn't quite know where they were at. Um, you know, obviously, it, it just was very difficult. And if we would have had that, you know, rapid SOS or something that just gave me the location immediately, um, I, it may not have made a difference in the end of the call, but it would have helped with not having to wait so long for help to get to you to help you handle this situation. Um, I think that's one of the ones that um, I don't know. I, I won't ever forget that call. Sure. Um, going into it, I think sometimes when you get those calls where um, things are involved with officers, those scary type situations, um, you just you keep those with you, and it helps you remind you why you're doing what you're doing and trying to make uh, their job as easy. Practicing de-escalation, trying to make sure that we're doing our best to not um, send you into an unsafe scene, and realizing that the questions that we ask do make a difference, um, so that you guys can be safe as well. Um, I, 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 I try not to uh, hold on too many. And I think, uh, when you were talking about it earlier, it is true. You just, you, when you walk out the door, it's not an easy task to do, but sometimes it's essential for you to just kind of let it go and know that you did right. the best that you could. Hey, we were sharing some stories here, um, earlier and uh, you were also you were on the night we had our, our horrific loss of life with our dsu softball players back in 2010 mike is that right nine nine yeah, yeah i um i was wor- i wasn't working the night of the initial phone calls um i came in the next morning got briefed on everything and worked um through uh, when we discovered uh, what had tragically happened to them when the national media started to roll in yes and the yes they had the, the conference room and everybody was kind of handling the media and um it was it was a very another example had, had we had rapid SOS back then we'd we'd probably known exactly yeah. where they were absolutely to the, to absolutely because I think we got a couple of phone calls where and we knew something was happening but we just didn't know where they were at and um, it's I mean it was just unfortunate and tragic and then to have to make um, watch those notifications made see those families come in and just uh, right. feeling how tragic that is I mean you. Um, you just never know when it's going to happen, and it's very sad and difficult. That actually, is, and we we were talking about uh, enhanced nine one earlier. But how does like nine one one plotting, like locations like that, work? You know, phase one, phase two type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, forgive me. This is not my wheelhouse. I tried. I'm learning. This is something I very much am interested in. But you know, phase one generally, when you guys call or the public calls in, you get uh, a tower location. Uh, so it's kind of an area. It's the closest tower that this call had bounced off of to come to us. Um, it takes a little while and you end up getting phase two. Um, the longer you're on that phone call with somebody, you know, when you first get a location, you may get kind of a bubble on the map about this big. Um, so you know somewhere in this vicinity is where this person is. But the longer you stay on, sometimes that can narrow down and you get like a more complete direct location of that person um, and that's what I was saying with rapid SOS I mean it's it's this small right when you get it rather than having that large degree of radius to come into yeah, because because I, I believe it's actually using the GPS within the phone which phase two would just be the triangulation so you have three separate tower sites to, yeah. to narrow it down which I think in in the case of uh, the DSU students we never did get phase two so that's why yeah that, that's why I think it was just a tower location yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and then uh 
you know, that's a GPS. That's the things that, you know, we use when we're working with these telephone companies when we're trying to locate people. We're getting that GPS for officers, latitude and longitude off of their cell phone location. It's not something that's with the towers. Yep. So it's definitely more accurate. And we had to reach out to an Air Force specialist uh, back on that DSU case that came in uh, about 36 or 48 hours later yep. after it that ended up triangulating and getting us down to a, at least a reasonable search area. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was, it was pretty impressive. I mean, despite the circumstances, it was really impressive how they just used all that leverage the technology at that time in 2009 to be able to narrow down the sides of the tower it was hitting off of and, yeah. and a lot of angles of math that, yeah. Stuff that's way over our head. Yeah, Yeah. it was also, I mean, community involved too. Just getting on and making that notification to everybody. If you notice anything, check your check your fields, check these areas. Um, Trying to get people to help us looking for it, and that was important because we have those public notification methods now. Do we have any other super secret technology coming into the loop here on the horizon that we're looking at and we're talking about? We were talking the other day. We we just got done demoing it last week. Um, but there's, uh, what are we talking about this, Tino? The, uh, the uh, Priority 911, I think is what it's called. It's another company through Rapid SOS, but it, mm-hmm. it'll leverage the cell phone uh, capabilities of, of, of a caller. So if, uh, if they're on the scene of a, either, either a big fire or a big explosion or something like that, or, or they're lost oh, like we yeah. had the other day. Yeah, we, we can, were just talking about that. Yep. I remember, and you can almost um, live stream with them if you've got... Um, if you're lost and you don't know where you're at or you're stuck in a car and some, you know, you've been um, abducted, I mean, you can uh, connect with not, uh, Rapid SOS and it can live stream. You can, we can black out the screen where it looks like we're not even on there with you, mm-hmm. but we can see your location and the things that are around you to help find you in a manner where you can't speak for yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean that. I mean, that's yeah. it's just it's, it's it's initiated just through a text message. So you get a text message from our nine one one center. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's permission based. So we can't obviously just go yeah. in. Yeah, it's not and like we're just spying, spying yeah. and tracking people's phones. Like they would have to click that. We they they're giving us permission to do this, but um, their screen will still remain and look like their phone is off. So to keep them safer and not alert their. Uh, the bad guy that's with them, um, but it's going to give us that live location. What are their surroundings looking at? Because if you're, you know, say you're somewhere and um, you get taken across state lines, you don't know landmarks, you don't know businesses, you don't know what's going on. But that mm-hmm. dispatcher does. They live in that community. You know, they they're going to be able to see those things. Actually, the the probably the case in point was the one that you were just working the other day here uh, with the tree row. Do you want to talk about that one uh, really briefly? Yeah, I mean, we had an individual call in and um, he was very frightened and thinking that people were after him, that they were going to harm him, that they had weapons. And um, he kept saying that he was in a corner. He gave a location, but it was very difficult to find him. We, uh, and if he could have just had that on there, we could have seen exactly what we seeing and tell the officers, hey, no, no, go to right. the left. You know, this is where you're going. Um, it would have been invaluable. I heard that one over the radio as that thing developed and evolved. And yeah. that was the officers, they were pretty impressed with what we were able to do behind the council and how close yeah. you were able to draw them into. Yeah, and I mean, I was, you're watching the GPS and you're telling me like, no, 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 you got to go back. You're, you're right below them exactly where, you know, trying to get that location and get those officers in there, um, trying to help that guy out. We got a, uh, Mike and I had a note down here, and we're going to be remiss without bringing this up. I mean, there is, a, you have some some real personal things maybe that drew you into the profession here too, or earlier on, and the unfortunate loss of a brother. Yeah. And yeah, John, and we wanted to highlight a little bit and talk a little bit about him and, and who your brother was and maybe the impacts on you related to that. And then we'll uh, take it all the way up to the beginning with uh, some stuff we heard at State of the City this last year yep. with Mayor yeah, Decker. that's right. So, yeah. so, I mean, I feel like... Um, It was exactly one year after my brother passed away that I was offered the position within uh, the city of Dickinson, and it just felt like it was, um, I felt like I wanted to make a difference. Um, Obviously, my brother, Specialist John Paul Fedick, um, he was killed in action in Iraq in July of 2003, and... um, I think it took, it was very uh, obviously unexpected. It it definitely was a tragic event that happened to our family. But um, you start to think about the things that you've done in your life and the things that you haven't done in your life. Um, You think about, like, if I were to go, what legacy would I leave? Um, What are people going to remember about me? And at that point, you know, when this job, I looked at it and I just felt like this is something that I am capable of doing um, I'm going to give it a shot and see if I can make a difference. Sure, sure. Yeah. With, with John being in, in your mind during mm-hmm. this and 
I don't know that I would have had the courage to even try it. You know, I was like my brother who was um, self-proclaimed nerd. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> it's not like he was the, you know, football guy or, sure. you know, anything. He was just um, your average guy, liked to sit behind a computer. And he decided to join the National Guard to um, go to college and get some help. And he ended up loving it. Uh, stayed in it his whole life and when he, the opportunity came and all the things that had happened in the world he wanted to um, he wanted to defend us he wanted to fight for us and he went over there and uh, I think that him being that type of person and having that courage to do that um, really affected um, me I mean obviously uh, there's some anxiety and things that happen because of those tragic events that you have to work through but it, it just made me feel like I I could make a difference how old was John when he passed? He was um, 30, 30. 30. Way yeah. too young. Yeah. Way yeah. too young. And yeah, so we're coming up on, what, 20 years? Yeah. 20 yeah. years. So he'll be gone next year. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Time passed. But um, But I've, this this job, um, the people that I work with, uh, they were instrumental in always making sure that, you know, very military-minded, very supportive um, a lot of people that are within our department um, have been so wonderful, and they always make sure and um, recognize and acknowledge, and um, they've really helped me heal through uh, going through that. So, I mean, I just have to say that this yeah. this department has been a lot of the reason how I was able to get back up again. And I know um, just at the state of the city and uh, continuing on uh, what you just said, I saw your, your mom and dad, they were there, right? Yeah, and yeah. They got invited by um, Scott Decker, mayor. Yeah. Um, they didn't know what was going on, and uh, they got a pretty big surprise. And that was? Yeah, it sounds like they're building a new armory uh, for our National Guard here in Dickinson, and it looks like they're going to be naming it after my brother yeah. um, in so cool. memoriam. Yeah. What a legacy I mean, yes, for huge. the family. Mm-hmm. and be able to have that uh, laminated forever yes. you know, to, yeah. for your kids and and for your family to be able to look at and reflect Absolutely. upon so yeah, yeah. just another uh, a testament to you know the community mayor decker and whoever was behind some of the decision making and uh, on that end of it there mm-hmm. that was it's noticed and uh means a lot not just the tineo but her family up here obviously the pd yeah. family that we were there and watching that we're like that's pretty cool yeah i mean this community is amazing when it comes to that they just became a north dakota cares community um, for supporting veterans and military families um that was at a civil service committee uh committee meeting it just our community really steps up when uh there's a member in need yeah. regardless of the circumstances yeah i, I just a huge shout out to dickinson and the residents yeah we uh can we we try to we try to throw that in every, on every single episode just when they hear this and how appreciative we are very much absolutely so um what else do we have anything else there that we can uh, you can highlight on your Anaheim trip down there to California oh what were some of the big big highlights to this APCO conference yeah. which stands for APCO Association of Public Safety Telecommunicator uh, Communications Officers or, there you go yeah, yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> um, they had their national conference which is something I've never been able to attend and thankfully through multiple agencies I was able to um, it's centered around the community and highlighting the difference that we make every day, making sure that our profession knows how important it is, and they offer multiple trainings, um, multiple guest speakers, motivational leadership. Um, It it was a five-day-long dispatcher fest, and it was so good for my soul. Everything about it was amazing. Sure. You walked into it, and you felt... um, Wow. Like you, you take for granted sometimes that, that your job means something. You just, you're like, you're going to work. It's your job. Um, you hear that all the time. I'm just doing my job. But um, when you get in that room full of thousands of people that um, let you know how important you are, you can't help but leave that conference feeling like, I do a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. They came back with a little recharge. Absolutely. And, some and the step. trainings that were involved, I mean, they offer up to 20 credits, 20 hour credits um, throughout this. So you can jam pack your schedule and really get, I mean, they offer anything. They have certain tracks, technology based, supervisor based, management based, frontline telecommunicator, health and wellness um, for dispatchers. I mean, you name it, they have a training for it at this conference. Uh, so you can kind of pick and control what your schedule looks like and what's important to you and um, go through your day. They also offered like big center tours. They had guest speakers, motivational leadership speakers, um, just letting us know about a team and the motivation and um, just talking about the, the 
extreme ownership was something that one of the speakers talked about. Yeah. You just got (laughs) to own what you have. I think, um, there's, it it was an amazing inspirational um, opportunity to meet and network. And not only were dispatchers there, but you've got the vendors, the technology, everything advanced. I mean, the, the exhibit floor was, I feel like a mile wide, of uh, different anywhere from your the headphones that we use to the entire network that controls the system like and everything in between um, it was impressive and so nice to be able to go through and look at those new technologies and things that are coming out and just get you more excited for the future i had been in nerd heaven it was That's, amazing i hear it's nashville next year nashville so, uh, is I next year yeah, I might be volunteering at that one. Try to get there again. It was unbelievable. And it definitely um, reinvigorates your um, uh, need to come back to your center and, and make a difference and, and help your other employees know that they're making a difference and just team building and making sure that everyone feels that impact. Yeah, the training lieutenant, he might have to find his way onto uh, the yeah. I might just, I, I have, <laughs> it is, it was an unbelievable experience. I'm so grateful. Did, um, uh, on the extreme ownership end of it, was that Jocko himself or was it Echelon Front? Uh, you know no, uh, we had the um, Brent Gleason from okay. uh, what was Seal, Seal Team 5, yeah. I think yeah. he was on there. And um, the other guy that we had was Matt Eversman from Black Hawk Down, okay. was the other special guest speaker. So it was it was just teaching everybody to, you know, obviously that leadership is, uh, or your employees are a direct reflection of that leadership and to own... Um, all those things involved in it. I can't get into it. I've learned so much. Cause, yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Mike's a huge fan. He comes in and he talks about it. You know, my husband's a huge fan. Um, yeah. He teaches me a lot about all those things and um, super helpful in learning. But, I mean, the points that they make and the lessons that they learn, they translate. It's not just military-based. It translates into real life, and it really helps people become better leaders just by um, listening to their speakings. Yeah, that's great. Did you have uh, like one thing was your favorite besides the networking probably and getting to Uh, hang out with some other dispatchers? One thing that was my favorite, they had one of the nights they had what they called the APCO block party and the way everything was set up, they had the Anaheim Convention Center and you've got the Hilton and the Marriott and in between that they have a boardwalk and it's, I say a boardwalk, but it is, it's a huge expanse. It ends with a huge fountain at the end and there's palm trees lining it. They string lights across the top. They brought in multiple food trucks um, from throughout the area and yeah. a live band and you just got to network and have fun and relax and they really treated us to a great evening just to have a relaxing good time um, on, on the fun side of it that was definitely a highlight for me um, on the work side of it I, I enjoyed the speakers uh, some of them so much emotionally touched me I mean I, know, I, I don't know if you remember on the national news where that young man got stuck in his vehicle oh, in the back seat, um, in the back seat right yeah. so um his parents are they made it their their mission to honor their son to educate uh 911 professionals on trying to be your best self with every call and they were there and that was one of the classes that i attend and it it touched me like for them to take such a personal tragedy of losing their child and to turn it around you know some people could have been um, very negative or thinking like about if there was failures within our our community that is the reason that their child isn't here but they took it as we're going to make sure that this never happens again we're going to educate these professionals to know that they need to be their best self every single call every single day that they go to work and know that that's going to make a difference in somebody's life saving that life and that was one of the most inspirational speakers i've ever been to for some context where was that at you know offhand location on it by chance i i honestly would have to look it up i would gotcha yeah it's all right well maybe knowing that you uh just because you set yourself up coming back reinvigorated here in the last 30 days i uh we want to tie off into some speed cuffing we can with do them. that yeah mm-hmm. and so you heard the noise in the background there <laughs> what and does so, that mean yeah and uh we like to finish every episode tania with a little speed cuffing and so mikey he will tee us off with some music when the music starts we do a little rapid fire question 
and you just answer whatever comes to mind or what, what pops into All your right. head just as fast as you can. And we'll I see didn't know we, we were starting to. a game show. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's why we do that. All that's right. why we do that. Hear those cuffs, and now you know it's game time. So Okay. Okay. Do you, Here we go. 30 uh, seconds. to go? 30 uh, seconds. I'm good. Gotcha. Favorite vacation destination? I haven't been a lot of places. Vegas. Springer Spaniel or Cocker Spaniel? Springer Spaniel. <laughs> Best musician of all time? Ooh, Elvis. 911 was developed by what phone company? Oh my goodness, AT&T? Yeah, good call. Day shift or night shift? Night shift. The first 911 phone call was made in what state? Ooh, I don't even know. New Hampshire? What about what year? New Jersey. I don't think New Hampshire. Oh, 1912. Yeah, Jeez, <laughs> this is going to blow you away. I wouldn't have guessed this one ever. Alabama in 68. Oh, 68. wow. So, yeah. Man. You, uh, You're supposed to make me look good during these, and now I just completely ruined that. No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> you know. got AT&T, though. That, that was, that was, that's what I, I said. Yeah, you get bonus points at me. Right, up, all right. So. You got any parting shots for us, Tennille, on their way out here as we uh, get ready to wrap things up? We've been going on over an hour now, so time oh, flies. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Honestly, I think um, one of our biggest things we're focusing on right now is recruiting. I want to get better at that. I want to get these people interested. Um, if there's anybody listening that um, is, is skeptical but think they might – make a difference and, and just give it a shot. I mean, come in, interview, uh, see what it looks like. We would love to have you and um, don't be afraid. It can be intimidating, but it's life-changing. Yeah, these these positions hold so much weight in the process and we, we don't talk about them enough and highlight them enough. Yeah. But today, hopefully, when you listeners hear this and anybody interested, you got to hear firsthand. I mean, they are in the thick of it. They're in the mud, you know, with everybody yeah. else getting dirty. I think you got to part us off with one last good dispatcher story, like a good humorous one. And I, we, were, we were talking about it the other day, like one of the <laughs> more funnier calls that you've got. So um, early in my career, um, you know, we always tell the officers, we tell everyone we're only as good as our caller. So I, that, I'm going to preempt this because uh, I was back in the day a lot, and I think they still do, Lot 6, BN, uh, kids hang out there. They um, Down on Villar. Yeah, yep, they just 42. hang out. And then, yeah, above Blue 42, we had these apartments. People are living in there. Um, we had an elderly, older gentleman call in, and he was very upset, screaming, just super upset telling me that these kids were across the street they're bothering him and he's it's been an ongoing issue and he was so mad and he's like they stole my sandwich and I was like I let me I don't know if I heard that right so I you know ask again and I'm trying and he's just upset and yelling at me that they stole his sandwich and so I, I dispatched it out I gave it to the officers you know theft of a sandwich and um, they're not understanding what's going on but they go down and they get down there and then they politely informed me on the radio that it was a theft of a sand wedge. Oh. Golf clubs. <laughs> yeah. But the way he was yelling, yeah. honestly, I mean, it was. I wish I had the recording to this day because I thought his sandwich was stolen. And I was like, what, what kind of sandwich is this that you are so upset about? But it was apparently a really good golf club. <laughs> uh, yeah. And there's so many more of those. If oh, my goodness. Yes. It's That's, not all gloom and doom. There are yeah. good days. There are many, many good days. Yeah. Yeah. Far more good than bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, that was uh, that was pretty awesome. Uh, Tennille, really appreciate it. Oh, gosh, uh, thank you for having me. Really, yeah. it good. means a lot. Yeah, you're great at what you do. You know, extremely appreciated and valued. I know Lieutenant Handel and the rest of us administration, you know, hats yep. off to you back there. Thank and, you. And uh, I know the officers and, and many in this building feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, so, we have a great team. Yeah, yeah. So we really sure. do. Big family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Anything else, Lieutenant Handel, before we, uh, we do our outro here on yeah, this? Yeah, I, I think that about wraps it up. This is, this is good. Yeah, and I think episode 14, we have um, Detective Sergeant Lyons coming in, and we are going to go after criminal investigations. And so that could be a pretty special conversation um, with some, some things there related to criminal investigations. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, you know, like the YouTube channel, the Facebook pages, subscribe to all of that stuff, share it with all your friends. Thanks a bunch, Tennille. It was awesome. Catch you later. <laughs>